This is Bragg, the son of Balan, and you're listening to Light the Beacons, a Lotro podcast. Welcome to the world of Middle-earth. are lit. Lotro calls for aid. And Brog shall answer. I'm on Dean, somewhere in the foothills of Farinorian. Rehoping is unkindled. Welcome back to Light the Beacons, the only Lotro podcast that dares to say, my goodness, what a shiny carapace you have there, Gamera. This is episode number 88, so please don't hate. Remember, there are 88 Ks on a P. Anyone? Anyone? I'm your host, Bragg of the Lonely Mountain, the Sultan of Shieldswipe, the Earl of Agro, Little Wonder, and Dwarf of Ill Repute, broadcasting live from temporary Light the Beacons Middle Earth Wide Headquarters, far from Felthelian, coming to you live from the Great Keep here in Dale. Yes, I'm standing on one of the uh, uh, the surrounding, I don't know, catwalks around the Great Keep. And in the background, I can see the Lonely Mountain with a uh, framed by a purple sky and clouds. There is a waterfall cascading down. Um, if I stare around the courtyard of the Great Keep, it looks like it is a beautiful summer day because there are uh, boxes of flowers surrounding it. The courtyard is an um, interesting pattern of uh, different squares uh, made from different kinds of blocks, both in kind of slightly mossy green and mossy silver and dark and uh, there are weeping willow trees flanking the tower and as I look up at the tower it is a stone brick wood structure with one two three four five six seven eight nine ten maybe ten levels on it Uh, in terms of floors that would be probably be one two three four maybe six floors high I can see a range of bells sitting in the uh, sitting in the top of the tower. Must be Hell's bells, and I can see a weather vane at the very top. Uh, it's actually, uh, you know, I wish I could get a better look at it from my vantage point. It, you know, it's hard to say exactly. Uh, I would like to think it's a small dragon, maybe being pierced by an arrow. Uh, but it's just far enough out of range that I can't really get a good view at it. And I'm not sure if there's any place that I would have a better view and be able to tell with 100% accuracy exactly what it is. Uh, one of the things I love doing, what I love about the uh, northern Strongholds area is, uh, are the, is the music that plays where the bells of Dale are kind of incorporated into the music as you walk around. I think that was a really nice touch for them to consider that and uh, kind of integrate that into the music of the area. I'm kind of short, I'm a little hobbit, so I can't see too well, but there's a low wall around the catwalk. I can just see the tips of buildings around the area of Dale kind of jutting up over the tops of the walls and uh, some flags and pennants in the breeze with the blue colors of Dale as well. Let me see, let's, let's see what the pennants look like in front of the Great Keep. Well, there's a Bell of Dale, of course, and it looks like also uh, a bow sitting above it. A bow and bell. Uh, I think that works. Uh, area of the of Middle-earth that very much identifies with the Black Arrows that saved its very existence uh, in recent memory. I wonder if uh, they always had the bow and the bell. Well, I think Bard comes from a long family of bowmen, even before him. There's some people running hither and thither around the courtyard. Of course, the quartermasters, where you can get, uh, for tokens of the Dale lands, you can get uh, tokens of the lake and river, I think they're called. You can get will items, uh, jewelry items, and so forth. And I have a slight glow about me from just finishing up a run of Sari Suriyama. 
uh, and I am encompassed with the warding warmth that you get from the uh, from the little uh, heat vents that are escaping within that instance. And uh, why am I in the Bells of Dale area? Well, we'll talk about that a little bit on in the next beacon. Uh, speaking of next beacon, I think we better move on to Ilanoch. As usual, in Ilanoch, first we got a deal from atop the Mount of Ilanoch. Now that it is aflame, we got to deal with a lot of CRAP. Corrections, retractions, and apologies from last week. Last time out, we offended indie gamers. Update 23 Anticipators, Phil Gashin's Diner, Regulars, you know, the blue-collar Joes off the street, and uh, at the other end of the spectrum, Elves. And to everyone else that was offended, we offer a solemn and very heartfelt, sorry, viewer comments. Uh, uh, let's check the leaderboard. The last review of the podcast was left by Bounder Doble on May 21st, 2018. He currently has our high score. As always, if you want to join this infamous cult of reviewers, all you can do, what you can do is leave me an iTunes review, or if you climb to the Eagle's Eyrie atop the Misty Mountains and insert a slip of paper with your feedback into the message tube secured to Landreville's left foreleg while he is sleeping, he will carry it to me, carry it to me forthwith, unknowingly, when we have our weekly tea. Uh, viewer feedback. Agree to disagree. Braggenthorn writes in, Hey, Bragg, you had a lot to say and share in the last three podcasts. Sorry I did not comment sooner. To respond to some of the things you shared, I have several friends do a lot of different books and dice gaming with remote players. I'm talking like a long time ago, etc. These uh, random number generators and lots of tools and uh, miniatures are a must. I am finding they are fun to use. Uh, he, he has used them before for D&D, Star Wars, Rollmaster, etc. They had a nice dynamic and involvement. Painting them is a ton of fun, too. I have not gone to the level of painting, but I do agree for logistics in a battle with a lot of participants. It does make sense to have the miniature so you can visualize exactly what's happening and figure out if your wizard's cone of silence will affect all participants within a certain radius. Um... Braggenthorn writes that he thought the movie Solo suffered for a lot of reasons. Its release date was way wrong. December would have been great for it. I actually enjoyed the movie Solo more than most people, I think. I think it got lukewarm reviews and maybe underperformed uh, to expectations based on the fact that it was a Disney Star Wars movie. Um, I would uh, look forward to additional... Uh, I, hopefully they're still planning on additional episodes, you know making that a trilogy. I still think it makes sense. I still think they were good characters and it was fun. Um, will it ever lift up to the originals? No, but you know, you can't judge every Star Wars movie by the original Star Wars or we'd never get any of them. And I do think they are, uh, for the most part, have been fun, except of course for the prequels, which have garnered such criticism and hatred over the years. Let me see. Braggenthorn nom came, nominated my podcast for the Beacon Spotlight. Thank you, Braggenthorn. I did notice that uh, I was mentioned in the Beacons for the Beacon by Cordovan this past week, and I attribute that to, to you, one of my uh, one of my viewers. So I appreciate that very much. Um, he's dropped out of Lotro. Is playing Shadowrun Returns, Dragonfall, and Hong Kong. Don't know those games. Sounds like fun though. Uh, he's been in, back in Lotro for a few days and filling in some of the gaps in his knowledge with podcasts. Glad I'm helping out. Um, he says, I may not be the viewer you want, but I am the viewer you need. And uh, I know that comment. Gosh, where is that quote from? The hero you want, but I am the hero you need. Oh, God, it's escaping me right now. My brain is a flutter today. Braggenthorns says, you can mail me some goat, dro goat droppings from Moria for that one. Lol. Yes, a turd ring is in the mail. Thanks, Braggenthorn. It's coming at you. And uh, let me see. Tommy Ork of York, medieval barber, wrote in to sell, tell me, while he hasn't played D&D in years, he has a lot of friends that recommend uh, an app called Roll20, which is a cloud-based application for role-playing games for any virtual tabletop needs. And I did go out and check out Roll20. It does look like it's pretty widely used it does look like it has a lot of functionality i went through a little tutorial basically there's a 
game, a virtual tabletop that can be shared amongst a bunch of different players that dial in. The DM can draw figures on it. Um, it has uh, facilities for rolling against uh, and tracking, you know, morale and hit points for different combatants. There are a bunch of graphics that you can drag and drop onto the tabletop to represent, uh, you know, monster players or archers or furniture or dungeon walls, etc. Um, I think it would take a little bit of, you know, a little bit of playing around to get used to it, but it does look like it has everything you might need. I might try to, to use it initially for some of the basic stuff and then see if maybe I can expand it over time. And I'll let you know how that goes, but thanks for the tip. Roll20 does indeed look like it's uh, one of the more widely used uh, frameworks, tool sets, uh, apps for assisting with tabletop role gaming. And... Um, Hey, I put put it out there and you guys delivered, so I appreciate that. Community Spotlight. So, um, Lotrocast came out with an episode for the first time in many months. Uh, Lotrocast is a podcast that back in the day inspired me to try podcasting as a solo podcaster. I, there were no other podcasts out there for Lotro being done by uh, solo podcasters, except for Alboros' originally Lotrocast. Um, he returned with a Mordor-focused episode as he makes his way through the storyline and the epic. Uh, but one thing that I've always admired about Lotrocast is it has uh, lots of good new lore bits, uh, which are its strength. Uh, Albros has been through the Mythgard Institute and gotten a degree, I believe, in Middle-earth studies, uh, which, uh, you know, puts him one above me. <laughs> Uh, more power to him, and uh, he, he definitely always has a good good take on lore and what's going on with uh, Tolkien and pop culture and uh, how that lore is being portrayed and used. So, uh, if you haven't uh, if you haven't ever tried Lautrocast, go out and check it out. It is on iTunes, and um, it's not as frequently published as it used to be. But uh, he did give me a shout out in his most recent podcast because uh, he he basically got back to it after I pestered him in game. I was at the farmer's fair fishing. I saw him stand up next to me and start fishing, so I struck up a conversation and encouraged him to return to the well. I don't even think he knows that I do a podcast as well at this point, but uh, but hey, I encouraged him to get back at it, so I consider that a success. Also, I wanted to give a shout out to the well-dressed killing machine from Lotro Players News who uh, gave me an awesome shout-out on the on the uh, podcast recently uh, when they brought up um, my entry on the Beacon by Cordovan. So, hey, getting the publicity out there. Who knows? I may spike it like six viewers this week. How about that? The forums. Let's see what's going on in the forums. Uh, pitchforks, torches, harumph, and grumble. Uh, more Cordovan Beacons actually mentioning my podcast. Thanks to the listeners to help with the spotlight there. You know who you are. In some discussion uh, of a recent announcement about a new Middle-earth-based MMO set during the time leading up to the events of The Lord of the Rings, uh, this garnered enough comment on the forums that Cordovan actually felt he should comment uh, with a quote where he said they welcome the competition and wish them luck. Uh, you know, I think the big... The big takeaways here are that uh, announcing uh, a Middle-earth-based MMO and actually coming out with one or two different things, there have been some in the past that were declared and never actually went into production. Uh, I'm not doubting it'll hit production, but it's probably still a year and a half to two years out, right, based on a typical MMO development uh, uh, development cycle. And, um, you know, they will never be able to, I'm declaring right now, make up the time it took to deliver on the majority of the map that we have in Lotro. Uh, but obviously, graphics will be modernized and likely combat will be more contemporary. Uh, we can only hope they stick to the lore, which is such an essential uh, part of the part of the game experience and uh, so important to all of the Tokian purists out there. And I'll have a little more comment on the potential for a second Lotro MMO a little bit later in the podcast. So, in this week's episode, we are going to talk a little bit about what we've been doing in game yep these past few weeks i was just trying to you know maybe change it up but we'll talk about in game we will debut a brand new top 10 list that describes the alternative movie careers of the fellowship of the ring we will recount in gruesome detail my latest pugging adventure and lastly if we have any time remaining we will do some snorkeling in the bays of belfalas but if we want to have time for that we better get moving to our third beacon 
We're at Nardal this week in gaming and or other Tokian news. Uh, with the summer calendar winding down uh, and moving into fall, football season is here, so time will be at a premium. So what have I been playing lately? Uh, after recently finishing off Braid, which I commented on in the last podcast, I decided to fire up Tomb Raider Anniversary. Uh, I was never a Tomb Raider in my younger days. I played, uh, oh gosh, Activision's uh, Pit. Pitfall <laughs> it was about probably as close as I got to a Tomb Raider type game. Uh, and of course, Indiana Jones on the Atari. But uh, never played Tomb Raider um, until the um, most recent incarnation came and I had the PC version of the, you know, the origin story. Um, not the most recent one, but the first one that came out that was redone, uh, which I enjoyed very much. But it kind of piqued my interest in the original Tomb Raider and when the Anniversary Edition came out in a Steam sale, I did scoop it up, I think, sometime last year and decided to log in and, and give it a shot. Uh, so old schooling it, so to speak. Um, you know, been enjoying the tomb puzzles and, you know, the jumping and all the climbing and all the axing and, you know, the, the heaping and jumping and climbing and axing and stuff. Um, and was moving along pretty easily through through the uh, through the proceedings until I reached the first boss. And, you know, I think Tomb Raider Anniversary, I think the idea is that I, I believe it has like the first four or five Tomb Raider games all combined into one. So you can move through them kind of seamlessly. So I, I, I am assuming I'm on the first Tomb Raider game that was ever done. And, of course, the graphics are a little, you know little throwback but uh, you know it still it still works well enough that i'm enjoying it and the the tomb puzzles are are cool and kind of neat and different um but i got to like the first boss fight where i had to fight a t-rex and i could uh you know my gaming instincts kicked in i knew what i had to do which is run them into these big spikes that were sitting around the sides of the arena but i didn't know how to do it no matter how i tried uh, they would always stop short. So I had to do some internet research until I found something called an adrenaline dive, um, which I think would have been a lot easier to do on a console. But on a PC, you basically needed to hit like four keys simultaneously and then stab at the last one with your pinky just as these two things were crossing. So that took a little bit of practice. Uh, the PC controls for the more advanced moves in combat are definitely kind of clunky. I'm sure I'll get used to them uh, so that I can do them a little more adroitly. But for right now, just getting past that first boss was all I could manage, trying to get the four key combo timing down, uh, stabbing with my left pinky on the alt button uh, at just the right moment. So, um, of course, solving all the tomb puzzles is fun and fine. I'm still playing a little puzzle game called Love, Hate, and the Other Ones. I think there's, I don't know, there's probably... 70 or 80 levels in the game and I only have like four or five left but they're getting devilishly uh, difficult in the last phase I think I've got three puzzles left to go so hopefully next time I talk to you I'll finish that game and I'll make more comment on it our Dungeons and Dragons game has kind of uh, rolled to a stop temporarily on hold pending stabilization in our school year patterns uh, so as the young dwarves in the family get back to their their education uh, getting into the rhythm of the school year making sure we're on top of homework and all the other activities getting everything signed up and squared away uh, hopefully in a week or two when things kind of return to a, a rhythm and pattern in the house that everyone's used to we might try to revive the Dungeons dragons game with one of the young dwarves participating remotely uh, hopefully using roll 20 we will see uh, let me see, movies and TV. Uh, so I've got two movies I watched recently, one new and one old. The new movie I watched was uh, Searching, starring John Ho, which is kind of a thrill, a modern thriller based on a, a dad who uh, has to solve the mystery of his daughter's going missing uh, by using social media breadcrumbs and clues on her computer, his wife's computer, his own computer, and you know, working with the police in collaboration. And uh, yeah, I found it pretty compelling movie overall you know not like a huge blockbuster or anything but very solidly done uh well constructed good little clues here and there the rhythms of him kind of moving through the old school apple interface to you know track down clues and find webcam pictures and uh social media breadcrumbs was uh was interesting and uh probably you know fairly 
fairly true to life uh, of how someone might research something like this in this modern day. Uh, John Ho's a compelling lead. Good to see more films out in Hollywood with uh, you know Asian and di diverse cast uh, on the heels of Crazy Rich Asians that came out a few weeks ago. So, uh, not didn't blow my doors off, but recommended. Uh, pretty good. And late, lastly, a movie that is a bit older that I have a recommendation for. I rewatched for the first time in years and uh, kind of dragged some of the younger dwarves in the household into it. And uh, they all enjoyed it very much as well. Thought it, were, it was excellent. So um, the movie is called Fandango. It's one of the first movies ever starring Kevin Costner. And if you're not a fan of his later work, I would still encourage you to take a look at this movie. Uh, you know, where he plays basically a college kid along with Judd Nelson and a couple other um, stars who you may not recognize from any other movies, but uh, they play um, Fandango as a, you know, a foolish act. They basically go on one last road trip before they disperse to various locations, including some of them that are being drafted to go into the Vietnam War. And uh, the movie is funny. The movie is poignant. The movie is nostalgic. Um, there are a couple hysterical scenes. There's some great music, and uh, overall, it's uh, it pulls well together and is really well done. So, if you've never seen Fandango with Judd Nelson and Kevin Costner, it is a recommended watch. Uh, go out there and find the trailer and see if um, see if it rings your bell. It was a hit with my family unit. All right, moving on. What's been going on in Lotro recently? Well, Bragg Farmer fared his way to a new tablecloth steed and a kid goat that I didn't really want but uh, somehow selected before I realized it was a demonic pet. Uh, my minstrel has been is ground away at the hundred dailies needed to complete restoring the kingdom MetaQuest deed in Northern Kingdoms and has completed that objective uh, which awarded her with 60 tokens of the Lake and Rivers plus some other stuff so enough to get a you know one or two Lasgallon purification coins and uh, Minnie's just basically, you know, pretty set with gear for her, but been doing some Northern Kingdom's essence upgrades for some of the coins to deplete her coin stack. And uh, also some Bells of Dale runs, uh, Tutu Challenge, which I'll talk about a little later in the podcast. My Cappy Level 115 has also been doing some Northern Kingdom essence upgrades for coins. Um, also some Bells of Dale runs. Boy, whenever I do a Bells of Dale runs with my Cappy, the run goes smoothly. Cappies just rule. They just make everything smooth, you know, and uh, they help everybody out. You know, people are like, what's the Cappy doing? He doesn't do great DPS. doesn't do great healing. He doesn't do great buffing or debuffing. You know what? He does a little bit of everything, and it just greases the wheels. Cappies are the WD-40 of Lotro. That is what they are. And uh, so I enjoy running them in groups. <laughs> Um, hopefully we'll be getting some landscape DPS buffs soon. My lore master has finished the lay of rhyme and rust to get a new pair of pants. All that for a new pair of pants. Could have gone to the gap. Uh, is kindred in all the factions of the Northern Kingdoms now. And did a final big battle this past week, the Deeping Comb, to put him over the top at 203 promo points and get that all-important class trade point. I think he's my fourth tune with both big battle trade points now, I believe, uh, which puts the what's the new total, 89, something like that is the max. Um, not sure, I can't remember now if that includes the new ones. Let me check real quick. Boy, that was quick. I'm a great fact checker. Yes, 89 and uh, is my one, two, three, four, fourth tune to achieve 89 class trade points. And I've got a Bergen Hunter that are just a point away, Ugh, which means more big battles if they ever want to get there. I think I'm big battled out for a while for now. Uh, but Berg, Bjorning, a Hunter, which will be my next tune that I work on? We shall see. My Berg has been polishing her LIs, which are not fully polished. Got one polished, one down, one to go. Uh, completed the Black Book of Mordor. It's been doing Court of Saragos runs. Uh, did a Pelargar run this week that was sloppy. I guess, you know, when something falls out of favor, you get a bunch of people that maybe uh, you know, are new to the game that haven't run stuff recently. We did a Pelargia run and, uh, you know, people weren't setting up barricades or upgrading damage or putting bear traps back by the uh, by the back entrance. We lost a bunch of supplies. So basically we ended up with a bunch of gold medals. Not the end of the world, but, uh, you know, 
Certainly not the Platinums you're normally looking for when you're doing a Polar Gear run. Um, also did uh, Roving Threats of Northern Mirkwood with the Berg. Uh, each tune that gets those for the first time also gets some medallions, I think, that come with it. And a few tokens as well as a little bit of a bonus. And my Berg is working on Felgoth rep. Uh, Felgoth is one that has the agility rep faction. Um, but, you know, still... The pain is, you, you, well, there is one way to get to Kindred. If you do, if you do all the quests in Felagoth, you're not going to be a Kindred with Felagoth in order to spend your tokens on the best gear. Um, and if you don't do all the quest lines all over the Northern Kingdoms to open up the dailies, the only other way to continue to up your uh, dailies is by doing tasks. Um, so I might consider just trying to love, see if I could level up. Uh, my berg using rep accelerators and tasks instead of taking a, another tune through all the storylines in northern kingdoms because i think i'm a little getting a little northern kingdomed out at this point i think uh, you probably know what i mean at this point um hunter is at level cap been running uh just uh, recently pushed her through from i think she was sitting at 111 for a long time pushed her through the epic and through the black book of mordor which was basically enough to get me there I've been running mostly blue line in my Hunter of late, although, uh, you know, I'm used to, I was running yellow and red previously, I just thought I'd try blue, uh, most Hunters I know seem to be running in blue unless they're in a raid, and, um, yeah, the interesting part is that sometimes, you know, the best part about being in blue is being able to kite the mobs all over the place while you shoot at them, right, but uh, sometimes I forget to kite, the <laughs> force of habit, so uh, that's one of the reasons I'm running blue is to get used to it and get used to kiting with my hunter, which I don't normally do. Um, I decided to go discover Austin Dunhoth on my hunter, which had never been done before, so that I could uh, be available to do OD Wound Wing for cap runs. Uh, push through the Mortar Epic. Um, I found that uh, using Desperate Flight as a hunter in Mordor helped a bunch, so uh, for example, just like when you're following the Black Book of Mordor and you go find the skull in, um, in the bottom dungeon of Nairband, you can map out, but you can also hit Desperate Flight in like another port and basically get back out to Magashtu just like that. Or when you have to run all the way to the bottom of Lingris to save Alti Spiderbane and you're not near you know any horse milestones in Lingris anywhere, right? Desperate Flight uh, will take you all the way uh, back up north to where you want to go. So, um, sprinkling that in as a hunter, you know, I don't run hunter a lot, uh, you know, but hunter was, I think the either second or third tune I rolled in Lotro and quickly became my fifth favorite in favor of the more complex classes like the, like the mini Cappy and, uh, and lore master who seemed to be in more demanding groups. But still, you know, she deserves to throw the ring in Mount Doom as well, right? So, anyway. Um, I just went through the discovery of the Mordor dungeons for her. Um, including Nairband and Corda Saragoth, so I could do those runs as well occasionally. Using a hunter at this point. Um, I didn't discover Abyss of Mordath yet with her, just because... I didn't go through the door Ormoth storyline, so I didn't have the reflecting pool instance that I could use to quickly access it. So I guess the only way I'd uh, get to do that is if I um, went ahead on landscape and gave it a run down there and see if I could get through there without having to fight everything all the way down. I'm not sure if a hunter would make that run or not. Uh, but you know, maybe I'll duel up with somebody and try it. Uh, but if I'm going to go into the Abyss of Mordath, there's a lot of other tunes I would take first besides my hunter, who's not well geared, so it's not really a priority at this point. Um, so when she got to level 112, I got the full 112 Ash gear set from the barterers in Yudun. They're only 70 Ash per piece, and they really, once you do that, it takes care of any um, Light of Arendelle level concerns anywhere on the landscape and mortar that you might have. Uh, so, you know, that's definitely worth doing, and once I had the 112 gear, I was able to get through the area without a lot of concern. Uh, I was overleveled through most of the content, though, um, so didn't have many issues on the landscape generally, although things slowed down significantly when I got to the Northern Kingdoms. 
Uh, your first taste of that, if you're following the book, is going into the Gostador instance, which is underneath Dol Guldur as part of the Black Book. And uh, I was like, gee, stuff is dying a lot slower. Hey, wait a second. My health is going down. I actually have to concentrate on what I'm doing now. But uh, Hunter has made it into the Northern Kingdoms and is sitting somewhere, uh, I think, in Erebor, chilling out at this point. And has enough gear that I can run some instances with her and remember what it's like to be a hunter in a group again. Uh, which is kind of fun. It's kind of fun to kill stuff a lot faster than I do in most of my other classes. Bjorning has not gotten any love lately. I did play a little bit of my champ this week for the first time in a while. Uh, he is level 71 and hanging out in Enidwaith. He's made it to Echad Saradan at this point. You know, he's a little over-leveled for Enidwaith. Um... Most of the mobs there are 65, I believe, so they're gray. But it's such a beautiful zone. I hate to skip it without at least tracing through the epic there. You know, at this point, you know, in the game, if, if you don't put on a tortoise stone or avoid all accelerators, you know, you can overlevel content just doing the epic through those areas and without even doing any other quests. So you have to pick and choose what you want to do as you work your alts through the environment. But it's nice to be in Enidwaith again. And uh, maybe I'll pick one of the zone areas like the um, the Gloom Glens or the Bone Vales or something like that. And, and take some th through some of those quests. Definitely get up to Nars Peak and chill out up there for a little bit um, before heading down to Dunland. Uh, RK Warden and High Elf have been doing a whole lot of nothing. So that is what I've been doing in Lotro of late. Let's move on to the fourth beacon of Erelas. Erelas is a light flaming in the distance. I've still got my warding warmth here in the northern keep. Okay, so for the beacon of Erelas, uh, we're gonna it's been a while since we've returned to our series of top 10 lists so we have one for this week and the list is the top 10 other movie roles for members of the fellowship of the ring the top 10 other movie roles for other members of the fellowship of the ring yes i know the fellowship of the ring only has nine members so for convenience sake i am including Gollum, since in effect he was one of the fellowship eventually you know once the sundering of the fellowship he kind of went along with sam and you know I consider him an honorary fellowship member at this point. Really should be the 10. You know, that's why they were able to overcome the nine Nazgulls. They had Gollum push him over the top. Okay, so here are 10 other movie roles for the members of the Fellowship of the Ring. Don't ask me how this came into my head. I've got no idea. I have a weird brain sometimes. Uh, number one, Frodo could have starred in Train Spotting. Train Spotting, old movie about heroin addiction. Frodo had a ring addiction, very similar symptoms. Uh, number two, Mary, I think would have done a good job as the lead character in Home Alone. I can just picture him putting the, uh, aqua velva on his face after shaving his feet. Maybe, maybe on his feet after shaving his feet. Uh, number three, Pippin could have starred in Firestarter. Think about it. Beacons, you get it. Uh, also saving Faramir. Uh, number seven, Sam, I'm sorry, number four, Sam could have starred in Arachnophobia. Or maybe Rudy. Yeah, he could have been Rudy. Sam could have been Rudy. That makes sense, doesn't it? Arachnophobia. Number five, Boromir. Uh, could have starred in either The River Wild or Weekend at Bernie's. Or maybe a mix of the two of them. Uh, Wild River, Weekend at Bernie's. That would have been uh, Boromir cruising down the river with his shield and sundered horn. Number six, Legolas. Uh, could have starred in Whale Rider. Uh, judging from how he can surf on a mumak. Or perhaps Ducky in 16 Candles. Number seven, Gimli should have been in Chariots of Fire. If you've seen the scenes of him running across the plains of Rohan, just picture the music in the background. Dun, 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 dun. Chubby legs pumping. Dun, 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 dun. Breathing. The key is breathing. Dun, 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 dun. Okay, Aragon uh, could have starred in Aragon. Aragon could have starred in Aragon. That's just too convenient. Or The Last Temptation of Christ. Uh, number nine, Gandalf. Uh, should have starred in Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. That's 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 my, uh, my out of the blue first call. First thing that popped into my head. You shall not pass. You stole fizzy lifting drinks. The whole bridge of Khazadum has to be sterilized so you get nothing. 
Good day, sir. All right, and Gollum could have started. I got, I got a recent one and an old one. He could have started in Split, right? Smeagol Deagle thing. Or uh, going old school, I think Gollum would have made a fine Gunga Din. All right, so that was my top 10 list of other movies that the members of the Fellowship could have starred in. If you've got some, please go out to lightthebeacons.com and comment in the podcast to leave your suggestions. I will read them in the next podcast, I promise. Uh, no, uh, no porn movies, please. Uh, we are at the fifth beacon of Binram, and now for the uh, originally weekly sponsor segment. This week's show is brought to you by the new Athlon Middle Earth MMO, coming soon to a platform near you. We have no idea what it's going to be yet, so think of it like this. Um, it could be like Fortnite, but in the Etten Moors. It could be like Farmville, but in the Shire. It could be like Fallout 4, but in Dor Amorth. It could be like Shadow of Mordor um, in some other place. It could be like Diner Dash in The Prancing Pony. It could be like Tomb Raider in Inuminos. It could be like Frogger in Frogmorton. <laughs> it could be like Diablo in Darnabagood. Or it could be like playing League of Legends, only using the legendary item system. And most of all, it's just like playing World of Warcraft in Middle-earth. All those things wrapped up into one. Oh, and it's uh, free to play. So get those credit card numbers ready, and we'll be seeing you real soon. Here we are, the sixth beacon of Kalanhad, which is a flame. And for this section, I'm going to do another segment uh, in my newfound series, Adventures in Pugging, episode 764. Uh, so this past week, I did a Tier 2 challenge run of the Bells of Dale, which happened to be the featured instance for the week. Uh, if you run that instance on Tier 1, it's kind of a walkover, typically. If you run it on Tier 2 you can run into some problems depending on your group makeup and or levels and experience. Uh, so I want to talk a little bit about a Tier 2 Challenge, Bells of Dale run that I did. And at the end of the day, a little encounter I had with a Game Master in Lotro. So here's the situation. Uh, we started out just fine. We had a guard, two hunters, two bergs, and me, the mini. Bad sign number one. I'm already nervous about the party makeup. There's no support classes. No lore master, no cappy. Uh, Berg, you can consider a support class, but primarily it's going to be single target uh, DPS for the most part. All right? So if I'm a mini, I love having a cappy. I love having a lore master to debuff, minimize damage. I see a lot of vulnerable DPS classes in my group. So let's see how things go. Bad sign number two. One hunter does not respond to direct verbal messages, DMs, or requests to see if he's ready. He uh, seems to be running around and doing his own thing. Bad sign number three when you're pugging. The hunter goes link dead during the, <laughs> the first boss fight and the group wipes. Okay. Uh, bad sign number four. We replace the hunter with a champ. Actually, in the Bells of Dale, having a champ is not a bad idea. There's lots of uh, melee groups to trash, trash your way through, so... You know, probably better than having a second hunter at that standpoint. Uh, but still no support groups. Group wipes two more times against the initial troll boss in the Bells of Dale. Um, once one of the wipes happens when a Berg retreats and runs back uh, to the fight, aggroing the troll into a reset. Um, so uh, Bells of Dale actually is one of the few instances on the first boss that doesn't lock you out of the fight. There's no gate that closes, so if you get killed and your party's out of reses, you can retreat and run back through the instance, since it's still pretty close, and rejoin the fight. However, uh, the troll has a random aggro component, and I would say about one time in three, he'll notice you running back from the start of the instance, and he'll run out of the gate and reset. And this is what happened to us when he had 300k morale left out of the five or six million he starts with. Uh, which is basically, you know, three twangs from a hunter bow. Uh, so just when we're about to, uh, about to win, uh, defeat was snatched from the jaws of victory by someone who retreated. So here's my recommendation on that. What can we learn from this? 
The only time you should run back to this fight is if it's early in the fight and you know the group can't survive without you for the whole time, uh, i.e. if you are a tank or a healer. If you're near the end of the fight, you should try to tough it out and see if you can make it without it. Um, if you're at the beginning of the fight and you're a DPS class or a support class, you should just wait and wait for the res to come around off cooldown to get back in it because if you do retreat and try to run back, you are risking... Um, Risking that random troll aggro resetting the fight. All right, bad sum. Buy it, sun number four. When you're pegging, when you're pugging, the group wipes on the one hard trash pull in uh, Bells of Dale, which I think is the penultimate fight before you get into the boss room. Um, uninterrupted sorcerers in Bells of Dale, dear two, explode and can take out about half your group. So bad number sign. Um, bad, bad sign number five. Uh, everybody in my party dies but me, and I flop, but people retreat anyway. Meaning, uh, the reason I flopped as a mini is so that I could pop back up and res everybody without having everyone run back through the whole instance. But people retreated anyway, and I had to instruct them, if you die and the mini's alive, don't retreat because I can res you. Uh, so we had to wait for everybody to run back through the instance. Bad sign number six. Um, after several tunes died in the sorcerer explosions, and while I was waiting for several of them to run back through the instance, I did some inspections of some of the other tunes that died in the sorcerer explosions just to see how their tactical mitigation might have um, stood up. Uh, one of the uh, one of the tunes in our party had six empty essence slots in his armor, and the other one had eleven empty essence slots in his armor and jewelry, and. Look, I, I have nothing against people that are not fully geared. I am not a raid snob. I'm not a judgmental asshat. But here's my recommendation. You don't sign up for a tier 2 challenge run with 11 empty essence slots. Um, you run tier 1 like everyone else until you're geared. You know, I, you know, having one or two empty essence slots, I get. You know, sometimes it takes a while to craft them or put them together or earn them in game or get ash for them or whatever. Uh, buy them on the auction house. You know, there's plenty of ways to get uh, to get essences, but you know, it takes a little bit of time. And sometimes you just get a new piece of gear, you put it on because it's better than what you had, and you, you fill it in with the next essence you get that's appropriate. But to have eleven of them, <laughs> yeah. If, if you have eleven empty essence slots, it's like you're missing. You know. A third of your armor pieces, or something, or a quarter of your of your buffs, and and uh, you should be running two two challenge at that point. So, run a tier one instance, uh, which is appropriate for your level at that point if you uh, are not fully geared. Uh, so I had to leave the instance for repairs uh, before the boss fight, which may be relevant later. I'll tell you why. Um, so. You know, I get the feeling our tunes are not really ready for this fight, but we got through the troll somehow, so uh, we got this far. Let's give it a shot. So three three wipes against the final boss and resets of him later. And to be fair, one one of the one of the wipes was my fault. Um, as the mini, here's a tip for you: do not stack. You know, Soliloquy of Spirit is a heal over time that you can put on your tank before a fight starts, but you do not want to stack Soliloquy of Spirit on your tank before he gets aggro because the boss immediately focuses on you because the tank doesn't have aggro, but you have generated aggro from the heals which you have pumping through him for Soliloquy of Spirit, which you can tier, um, you can stack three times. And he immediately focuses on me and two shots me before the tank could get the aggro. So that one was my fault. <laughs> and everyone ran out and I was the only one who died, so you know no one suffered for it but me. But, uh, so three wipes of the final boss later. Um, you know, this is basically my experience. The, the two bergs we had with us were at half health just about every time I looked. And I couldn't just concentrate on healing the tank because of that. Um, the tank seemed to not be holding all the adds that were around the boss. Uh, so here's bad son number seven. I asked the tank what trait line he was in, and he said, yellow. I like to run in yellow. So for those that don't know much about guards, yellow is the debuffing crossover line. And you might be able to pull off tanking in a yellow or even in red in a lot of instances and tier 1 raids, but generally not in tier 2. Um, tier 2 makes you hardier and more importantly, it gives you more aggro taunts. You know, in yellow and in red, the number of taunts you have is limited, so your ability to pull people away from other people in your party is limited by the number of taunts you have. 
the Bells of Dale final boss fight has several waves of ads, and you know you will get caught at some point without an AOE taunt that's on cooldown if you're the tank, if you're in yellow line. So I recommended him to switch to blue line later, and he goes, well, I'm not really set up for it, but yeah, okay, I'll switch to blue. And big surprise, ad control was improved in the final fight. Uh, which is important with the little critters running hither and thither all over the place. Squirrel! Still, uh, I was healing my little hobbit fanny off big time, so it was gratifying to complete the instance after all the troubles that we had. And uh, bad sign number eight. We finished the instance, tier two challenge, finally get it on the fourth attempt, and I don't receive a box of Azure spoils, and I don't receive five newfound coins. I went back through the log for the instance, and I saw that only three people out of the six in the fellowship had received the appropriate loot for finishing Tier 2 Challenge uh, at cap level. And I know for a fact I hadn't run it on this tune or any other tune that day, and uh, I had the challenge quest in my log. It just didn't complete when the boss died. I'm not really sure why that happened. I thought maybe it might have to do with the fact that I left the instance to repair at one point and re-entered. Not really sure. So that leaves my loot for the whole instance at a few relics and runes and a couple of marks, i.e., you know, friggin' garbage. <laughs> so everyone leaves besides me, and I decide, you know what? I spent enough time on this. I'm going to message a GM and see if maybe they might respond in the first couple minutes just to let them know. And guess what? Uh, a GM pops up named Neota to the rescue within 10 minutes. I couldn't remember exactly how long, but I'd say within 5 to 10 minutes, a GM... Um, you know, responds, which is pretty darn good in my book. And she says she is coming to me. I always wonder what this means when they say they're coming to you. Um, I remember once I had an issue with a quest in Minas Tirith with my Cappy, and I actually saw the GM appear in a character form next to me and uh, was inspecting me. You know, I think they have the ability to be anywhere they want in the game, invisibly or visibly, as, as they choose, based on my experience, which is kind of neat, obviously. Um, so, you know, I'd love to see what the, the GM's toolbar looks like that helps lets them help out players. Is it just a bunch of system logs that they can filter and search on to see what happened recently in the game? Um, you know, what kind of tools do they have at their disposal to CSI this stuff? I think that would be kind of neat to see how that works, uh, you know, being uh, uh, in the IT industry myself. So she asked me a bunch of questions about what happened, blah, blah, blah. And she tells me the logs say I was running at level 85 and she can't help me. And I tell her I am not running at 85. This is what I see, etc. Well, she says, well, I can't help you because you're not in the instance. And I tell her, actually, I am still in the instance. Oh, and she goes, oh, uh, well, let me look again. At this time, a bunch of time passes. And, you know, it's past midnight. I'm looking to go to bed at this point. But, you know, I, I, again, this far, I might as well wait for her to reply. So, like... 15, 10, 15 minutes pass, and I tell her, you know, look, I know you don't normally help out with loot stuff, because in my experience, if you ask a GM to help you with loot in the game, they can't do it. That's like one of the few things that's taboo. But I, I told her, I just thought I would try because of the circumstances. You know, we tried for a really long time, we finally won it, and, you know, I had the text in the log that shows specifically what the others got and what I didn't get. And uh, she replies and says, yeah, that's right. We're not supposed to help with loot. But she's putting a note on my account to make sure I don't pull this again. Like, I don't know. I told her, look, I promise you I'm not wasting an hour of my time at 1 in the morning because I'm trying to scam you out of one measly reward box. Uh, but in any event, a couple minutes later, a mail arrived with five newfound coins, which is one of the things I was hoping if by finishing the FI instance I would receive. Uh, no Azure box. And, uh, you know, I decide not to look a gift horse in the mouth on this one. You know, five more coins uh, buys me a Philgoth Elk Steed for my main at some point. Uh, I'm not sure what else is worth having from the newfound coin stuff. They do, they do have some armor there, but if you have the latest 340 gear, it's as good or better unless you really like the set bonus that you can get from those. But that would take, uh, gosh, 20 coins per piece times six to get the full, well, times four to get the set bonus. Uh, I'm not sure that's, anyway. Anyway, I figured it's time to call it a day and not complain about getting an Azure box. You know, she did help me out in the end, at least get me something out of the experience. Took a little longer than I expected. And uh, this day and age, you know, you don't figure they have too many GMs on helping people out. So, uh 
I was pretty happy with the response time overall. So for those of you wondering, yes, there still are GMs in the game. Yes, they still try to help you. Yes, they are not supposed to help you with loot, but if you have a good story and, and work them a little bit and it's late at night, they might just help you out. So this has been Adventures in Pugging with GM Support Surprises from Bragg, the son of Balin. Which brings us to the seventh beacon of Halithirian. It's closing time. Sorry, we ran out of time to squander or to further squabble with GMs or to go snorkeling in the Bay of Belfalas. It is time for blessed relief. I'm officially punching out on the clock for the 88th episode of Light the Beacons. I would love to hear your plaudits, feedback, rants, diatribes, and most of all, your constructive critique. You can contact me at bragsonofballon at gmail.com. That's Bragg with two A's. The second A stands for Abilify. Facebook or Twitter at Bragg Son of Balan or my website at lightthebeacons.com where you can post comments directly on the podcast. Looking forward to your Fellowship of the Ring movie role suggestions. I kindly request you take the time to create an iTunes review like Bounder Doble did. If you can take time out from protecting the Shire, then you can too. I would very much appreciate it. If your comments incite me to forsake my legendary elven antipathy, I will try to include them in the next podcast, or at least respond in some way. So, I hope you laughed, either at or with me. I hope you might have learned at least a little something you didn't know before, or perhaps looked at the game with a slightly different perspective. And most of all, I hope you enjoy your week in Middle-earth. This is Bragg, the son of Balin, reminding you that if it ain't Baruch, don't fix it. So the next time you go looking for River Maiden flower baskets to complete your Eastern Gondor deeds, but they're out of stock on FTD, don't despair. Light the beacons. That's my new outro effect. What do you guys think? <clears throat> time for an ale. Hey guys, just realized I recorded this whole episode... Uh, with the wrong microphone setting, so it might sound like crap, comma, I'm sorry. I hope it is uh, audible and or enjoyable. But as you know, we don't do re-records on lightthebeacons.com, so thank you for bearing with me. One take brag! <laughs>